Hi everyone, and welcome to The Seed Podcast, part of our teaching ministry here at the Central Church in Fayette, Alabama. The Seed exists for one reason only, and that is to lift up the Word of God in order that Jesus Christ might be known and worshipped as King. We invite you to join us now as we dive in to today's message. I appreciate the opportunity to come and share the word. And I was told by Rick that I was a, that obviously y'all didn't intend for me to be here, that I was a fill-in. So I appreciate the encouragement uh, that Brother Rick McCabe gave me as I came in tonight. And that's okay. Hey, listen, however you get here, right? Just good to be here. I love, we were talking about it before you guys came. I got, I'm never early. Anywhere I go, I'm never early. I'm always late to church. Um, I try the Roger Bedford method. I learned it years ago. You walk in five minutes late, you shut the door, everybody turns and does what? Looks at you. So that's what I do. But anyway, I walked in tonight. I was early. So I was standing outside talking to Robin and Robert, and I told him I loved, growing up, I loved Wednesday night church. Wednesday night Bible study was one of my favorite times of the week. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share and be honest and share my heart with you. had less to do about the Word of God, more to do about the church had air conditioning, and Daddy wouldn't turn ours on. Amen? <laughs> so a lot of times I grew up on Wednesday nights in church service, sleeping through the Wednesday night Bible study hour because it was so cool and so comfortable. Uh, but I do. I love Wednesday night Bible study. I love sharing, sharing the Word. And I, I told uh, Brother Jordan, I said, listen, I, I don't know but one way to share the Word, and that's the way God gave me to share the Word. And uh, it's, it may be unique to you, but uh, maybe, maybe you leave here tonight and receive the blessing that, uh, that I believe God's uh, outlined on my paper for me. When I was in 7th through ninth grade, I walk a little bit too, is that okay? When I was in 7th through ninth grade, I went to Riverside Junior High School. So if you're going over the bridge from downtown Northport into downtown Tuscaloosa, if you look off to the left, Dreamland is down there below you. If you look out in the distance, that's Riverside Junior High School. That's where I did my junior high years. In the spring of the seventh grade, you have football tryouts. Now, I'd never played organized football, but I had uh, played baseball and basketball my whole life. You know, I played all-stars in baseball. I actually, in sixth grade, won a state championship in basketball. So seventh grade junior high football comes, and we try out for for the Riverside Junior High School fighting tigers. And in that day, just because you came out did not mean you made the team. We had a cut list. Now, if you can walk and breathe, you get to put a helmet on pads and run out on Friday nights, right? Well, at that time at Riverside, after the end of tryouts, they would put a cut list. Not a, this is who made it list. It was a list of these are the guys that stunk. <laughs> right? That's what they were telling us. It's a cut list. It's a list of people that were not good enough to be on the team. So after the tryouts, we walk in there with my buddies. And I'm not, look, it's just commonplace. I was thinking, you know, I played a little ball. And you, you know, it wasn't any big deal. I knew what was going to be on there. They probably already had me starting quarterback. So I look at, I look at that cut list. And not on the top of the list, not on the bottom of the list, but tucked somewhere in the middle, amongst all the other losers, was my name, Mark Brown. And I did a double take. 
And then I looked at the top of the list because I thought, that can't be a cut list. That's got to be future all-star list. But it wasn't. It was a cut list. I couldn't believe it happened. My dad was one of those dads that never got involved in my athletic career. I don't ever remember him. I don't ever remember my dad talking to a coach except for this one time. And the question was basically, what in the world happened? You know, this was kind of out of the ordinary. We were not expecting him to get cut. Did, did he say something? It blamed it on me. And Coach Griffin at the time was, was our, our coach. And he told my daddy, he said, well, it wasn't an athletic ability. It was just he didn't act like he wanted to be there. And he said, I figured if he didn't want to be there, I'd cut him. And I thought, wow. Well, let me explain something to you. I have failed many, many times before. But my bride will tell you, we've been together th over 30 years. They, we've been married 29, over 29. We've dated for a year and a half. Been together 30 years. Donna will tell you, I've failed many, many times. But I'm not going to fail because I don't try. That was a defining moment in my life that forever shaped who I was and who I, who I became. Tonight, what I want to talk to you guys about as we go through the story of Jacob's life is I want to talk about defining moments. God gave it to me as I began to study these scriptures, and, and it's, it would have been easy just to go with the generic, and, but I, I wanted God to speak to me so I could speak to you. And I, I told Brother Jordan, I said, listen, I told my pastor, he said, you're going where? I said, I'm going to Central. And I said, Pastor, I don't know but one way to preach, so all I'm going to do is give it to you the way I know how. But defining moments are those moments in life that gain our attention. You know, so many times, if y'all are like me, you get up in the morning, you take a shower, you get dressed, you go about your day, whatever your day may be, you get home, maybe you have a ball game, maybe you have something with the kids, you, you take another shower, you go to bed, you wake up, and what do you do? Repeat. Defining moments, those moments that I want to talk about tonight in our lives and the life of Jacob are those times that catch our attention. We all have them at different times. I just shared you one of mine. They, they grab your attention. It's something out of the mundane because a lot of life is just doing life. Would you agree with me? But these moments that I want to talk about tonight are those moments that are outside of the mundane. Now... Let me explain something to you as we get started tonight. Some of these can be looked at as permanent setbacks. They, they impair your future growth. A little bit off the subject, but I want to drive this point home. Is this, that's where the devil wants you to stay. S Satan's desire is to make you and I ineffective. And he wants you and I to stay in those defining moments that are not of popular thought. Your daddy's a drunk. Your mama runs around. You're a cheater. You're a liar. You can't keep a job. Those are the defining moments that I believe that Satan wants to remind us of over and over and over. Why does he do it? Well, he does it for two reasons, I believe. Number one, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, and he can keep you in that cycle, then he can keep you away from meeting the Lord and Savior. And if you are a believer, and you have given your life to Christ, then nothing is as ineffective 
as a believer that does not know the power that we have through a relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, Southside, I would have gone, amen? And y'all would have answered back saying what? Amen. amen. Because those are the moments of life that we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to look at them. Now listen, Satan wants you to stay here. Because we know that in, in John chapter 10, you don't have to look it up. And I'm a pastor, I run through scriptures and y'all don't look them up. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to give you one in a minute that I want you to turn to. But in John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus tells them, he says, listen, the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that's in your life. His desire is for you, number one, to spend eternity with him in hell. Number two, if you're a believer, you, okay, hell's taken care of, but he wants you to be ineffective for the kingdom right here and right now. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. Now listen to this. There are those moments, though, that are fantastic. Those moments that are in athletics like I had that encourage us. It's amazing, as a 13-year-old in the seventh grade, how I thought my life was over. Y'all remember 13 years old in the seventh grade? It was so embarrassing. And listen, I, could, I, I heard my buddies talking about me behind my back. Um, we had a reunion a few years ago. It, it sure felt good to slap a couple of them on the back and say, hey, how's your life going? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. <laughs> listen, there are those times in our life where we are, thank you, Rick. We are, he just got that one. There are those times in life where, where we're encouraged by what goes on. Maybe it's with those defining moments where you see that breakthrough with your child. You know, all of a sudden you see Will Brown's eyes light up and you go, he got that. Or maybe it's at, at work and with a co-worker. Or maybe it's when you're... Maybe when you're doing some type of ministry, Brother Bill, and, and you get to minister to somebody and, and you, you see, gosh, that made such a difference. Those are the defining moments that, that the Lord wants us to, to remember and to fall back on. Those are the defining moments that, that He wants to use in us. I love Romans 8.28. I paraphrase to make it simple for me to understand but Romans 8 and 28 reminds us that God can take all of this stuff and use it to bless us for His glorification. Right? And listen, guys, that's what we're talking about tonight. And we're going to look in the life of Jacob, and we're going to see how God's hand was on him from the very beginning. And I believe, I believe God's hand's on me, and I believe God's hand's on you. Now, has he called me to, to be in the line and lineage of, of Jesus Christ? No, he, he didn't do that. He called me to be his child, right? But you know what? He called Jacob, and he had a plan for Jacob that out of Jacob's lineage, Jesus comes. And we're going to see that even though this guy made a bunch of mistakes, when he finally surrenders his heart to Christ or to God, how he can be used and developed to be the man of God. Turn in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 25. That's to the left of wherever you are. Unless you're in the concordance wondering where the book of Genesis is. It's book number one. How do we remember Jacob? As I begin to study this, I think we all, 
And guys, stay with me. I'm going to fly through this. And uh, your pastor pointed out there's a clock in the back, and I'm being very aware of that clock, Rick. And uh, I want to hit a bunch of scripture. I won't read them all to you, but I, I believe, listen, Donna and I talk about it all the time. My best sermons are when I preach the scriptures and don't preach Mark Brown. Amen? Can't go wrong doing what? Preaching the scriptures. So I'm going to use a lot of scripture tonight. I'm coming out of the New King James. Um, and I want, to, I want to show you just how it all began. Look at Genesis chapter 25. We know the story of Jacob. Jacob's dad is who? Isaac. We know his granddaddy is who? Abraham. So we're going to get into in Genesis 25. Isaac's having a baby. Well, he's not. His wife is. And they're having a baby. We're going to see, you're going to see how he comes into this world. Look at verse 24. So when her days were fulfilled... For her to give birth. Indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came, listen to this. East, listen, so twin number one was named Esau. Y'all remember Esau? Now listen to this baby. Now you wouldn't put this baby on Facebook. And verse, <laughs> verse 25 says this. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they, they called his name Esau. Now if that's your baby... You're going to have to have some kind of filter on your phone to, to skin him up, make him look good when you brag about him on Facebook. Amen? Because we know you're going to do that. Listen, I love the Word of God because the Word of God just tells it like it is, right? He says, listen, this baby was red. He was hairy. It doesn't say ugly, but I'm gonna, it's got to be ugly. Amen? All right, keep reading with me. Keep reading. Verse 26. Afterward, his brother came out. And his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So he was, his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. So Isaac is 60 and he has twin babies. One is Esau. One is Jacob. We know that the story that they're, they're both going to be great nations as they're called. But listen, Jacob makes his appearance into this world as the weaker of the two. Now, I, the relationship between the two boys goes downhill from the moment they start breathing air. But I can't imagine they would be very close. Listen, they were, they were totally two different kids. And I'm going to show you that in just a couple of minutes. But he comes out, and from the moment that he breathes the air that is given to us, he's the weaker of the two. Now, he can stay there if he wants to. And so many times, God, we're reminded, guys by the devil of, of our weaknesses, aren't we? Hey, Mark, you've got a terrible temper, or your mouth is terrible, or you don't know how to talk to people in the right way, or you can never teach that Sunday school class, or Mark, how dare you think that you can go and visit somebody and help witness to them, or, or Mark, it's not in your place to go out and, and invite people to church. Well, listen, we will, the devil will allow us and our weaknesses, no matter what they are, to keep us from fulfilling the promise that he's got on each one of our lives. Listen, we're all made special, right? Psalms 139, 13 and 14, you and I are made special. They're special inside each and every one of us. We just need to find it and allow God to grow it and to use it. So we saw uh, Jacob comes out and he's, and, he, and he's just weak. Look at, look at uh, verse 28. He's a mama's boy too. And it says, And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. 
So his daddy liked his brother because his brother was tough and rowdy and loved to hunt and fish and made the stew. So he was, you got to figure he was softer. He was of the softer type. He probably stayed inside, used the rainbow vacuum, cleaned the house, Maybe helped his mama pick some stuff from the garden, but didn't want to get his hands dirty. I'm describing myself as I'm doing this. It's kind of making me nervous. Listen, he was a mama's boy. Again, again. And I, listen, I, I'm... People were people then, just like people are people now. Amen? So you know that there was some... You know there had to be something back and forth between them. You know that he walked through there and he probably looked at it. Esau probably looked at him every now and then and said, what? You sissy. Right? You just, yeah, you are. I'll beat you up right now. <laughs> right? I had a big brother. It's kind of the way it goes in a house. Listen, guys. The relationship between them. And, and you've got to understand that the, the, the devil will use others. Listen. The devil will use others to breathe discouragement into our lives as well. If he can find somebody to breathe a word of discouragement into us, he'll do it. Well, if they're saying that I'm a loser, then I must be a loser. If they're saying that I don't have the IQ to do that job, then I must not be adequate to do that job. I know that, that, my, I know that my background, all the people are divorced. Even though my marriage seems happy, I, I'm probably going to end up divorced. Listen, we will listen to the naysayers and the discouragers. That's what Satan wants. Because when that happens, that disables us and it freezes us. It paralyzes us for being what God wants us to be. Jacob's getting this and, and listen, he's running with it. Look at chapter 27. And this is the story that you guys over here to my right, you've heard in Sunday school all your life. Mama... And Jacob make a plan. And the plan is to deceive daddy. Look at chapter 27, verse 22. And I'm hitting a lot of verses because I want to, we're going to land somewhere and wrap this thing up in a moment. So Jacob went near to Isaac and he felt him and he said, remember, remember what he did? Remember the furry arms? He had to put the, the hair on his arms so he'd look like his brother and smell like his brother. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are of Esau. Remember, I, Isaac's an old man here. His eyes are going bad. He's not, he can't see what's going on. He thinks something's up. He feels in his spirit like something's up. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are of Esau, and he didn't recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, listen to this, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. His papa was a liar. Y'all remember Abraham? He had a lying problem. Do y'all remember that? His daddy, Isaac. He had a lying problem too. Y'all remember that? Here we are, three generations, and Jacob has found himself lying. Now, different sermon, if you ever have me back, 
There's generational curses that can pass from generation to generation. You hear what I'm saying? And they have to be broken. And this is one of them. Deception and lies move from generation to generation. It's scary for us parents and grandparents because they listen to us and they watch us and they do what we teach them to do whether we're meaning to teach them to do it or not. Does that make sense? He's a cheater. He's a deceiver. He's a thief. And he doesn't mind looking straight into his daddy's failing eyes when he says, are you Esau? I am. Guys, that's some kind of low right there. Would you agree with me? Look at verse 35. And this is, this is after Esau's talked to, to Isaac. And, but he said, your brother came with, my Bible says, deceit. What does yours say? Deceit. And taken away your blessing. Premeditated deception is what was in his heart. Guys, this would have been a good spot for him to just roll it up and say, you know what? I got the call of God on my life. I may not realize it at this point, but I'm too deep in sin to be used to do anything good. I mean, if you will premeditate the deception to your father like this, uh, this, is, this is, in this time and age, and understand this, and, and Pastor Jordan, I know, teaches you guys this. I love Bible history, but and there was a, there's a hierarchy and a respect at this time that I don't believe exists today. Would you all agree with me, you guys that are the, much more theologians than I am? That this would, you just didn't do that, and he did it. That's the low of lows is my point I'm trying to make. It's a cheater of a cheater, a deceiver of a deceiver. He's the liar of liars when you look your daddy in the eye and do that. Cheats his brother out of his birthright. Listen to me. If we stop right here and we fold our Bibles and we say, Mark, we've got to go home. This is it. You and I would wonder how in the world he ever made the book of Hebrews, wouldn't we? How in the world? Did he ever make the book of Hebrews? But aren't you glad that the story doesn't stop right there? Now listen, I don't know about your story, but I've, I've got a feeling that some of y'all tonight are glad your stories didn't stop when you were at your lowest. I've got a feeling that some of us tonight probably are glad that when we were the deceiver and the cheater and the lowest of low, that God didn't give up on us. Now listen to me. Your mama may have given up on you. And your daddy may give up on you. And your people that you call your buddies, they may give up on you. They'll talk about you behind your back. They'll say things in circles about you. But aren't you glad? That when you easily could have given up yourself, maybe you did give up. Aren't you glad? Even when your mama and your daddy and the rest of your friends seem to give up on you, aren't we glad that God doesn't give up on us? Isn't that good? I think that's the story, guys. We're seeing these defining moments that are working their way through 
Jacob's life. And listen, Jacob has got a purpose, a God-given, sovereign God-given purpose to be on this earth. The lineage of Christ is coming straight through him. And God doesn't want to change his plans. Now the sovereign God is going to do what the sovereign God wants to do. Will you agree with me on that? His plans will come to fruition. Now, here's the thing. Many times he wants to use Mark Brown, but I'm so bullheaded and I'm so stubborn and sometimes I'm just so selfish and prideful that he has to move over and use somebody else to accomplish his sovereign plan because I wouldn't get on board with it. Because he gave me the opportunity to make the decision that I could choose it or reject it and I chose God, you know what, I'm just not going to be. Now I would never say that. I would never say that to him. But in our subconscious, when we refuse to to be active in our churches, when we refuse to share the good news, when we refuse to read the Word, when we refuse to have our prayer times, aren't we telling Him, hey, i got a better plan than the plan you got? I tell people all the time there's five things you can do to draw closer to Christ. Number one, go to church. A lot of folks don't read the Word during the week. So I know if you'll come to my Sunday school class or come to hear y'all Sunday school class at least one time during the week, you're going to get the Word of God read to you. Number two, pray. Don and I have a relationship. We've been married long enough, many of y'all have, where we finish each other's sentences, right? And sometimes, I, well, I've done this la- I did this last night. I, she finished one of my sentences, and I just looked at her. And I said, can I finish what I was going to say? <laughs> it went downhill from there. <laughs> well, we've been married too long. She can't leave me. Prayer is just you and I spending time with a holy God, finding out what's on His mind and His heart for me to walk through my daily life. And you know what? When nobody else cares to hear how I feel, He'll listen to me. When nobody else cares because I had a bad day, He'll listen to me. Church, prayer, Bible. Implement a little Bible into your life. I'm not telling you you got to read three chapters a day, but what I'm telling you is when you start, Donna, last night, we, y'all been to this new, y'all been to this new um, cobbler place on campus in Alabama? I know the Mobleys won't go down there because they refuse to be on that campus. <laughs> but they don't know what they're missing. I'm going to bring him some. They got this cobbler place on campus. It's called the Peach Cobbler. It's sinful. <laughs> but they also have banana pudding. And y'all, this banana pudding so good, your tongue will slap your face. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Has anybody ever been there? So Will was down there the other night with some buddies. And he called and he said, do y'all want anything? Be trying to, you know, trying to keep that athletic build I've got. Uh, bull nose, I sees me in the gym. Look, I said, uh, I said, no, don't give me one. Donna got hers. And she said, I don't need it. She, Will gets home with it and she said, I think I'll just have one bite. Well, Donna has a little reflux problem, and she said, I'm not going to be able to, I'm going to have to sleep on the couch tonight, elevated. I said, what's wrong? Got six beds in the house now, but she's sleeping on the couch. She said, I got to elevate. I said, well, baby, you just had one spoonful. Guilt became a hole in her face. And I found out it went deeper than just one spoonful, guys. I think it's kind of like, listen, it's kind of like God's word. You get a spoonful of it, you want another spoonful of it. And you want another spoonful of it. 
because you can't get enough of it when you really dive into it. Does that make sense? Church, Bible, prayer, serving, and giving. If you'll do those five things, you'll draw closer to Christ. Have me back, I'll preach that sermon to you. So guys, listen to me. Jacob could have stayed where he was, but God had a plan for his life. I was, I was reminded this week as I was, in the last week as I was kind of putting this Bible study together. Jeremiah 29, 11. Y'all know those verses? I want to point, can I point something out to you? I've still got about 15 minutes. Look, look over, turn to your right. Not, not personally, but just in your Bible. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me point something out to you. We, we all love this verse where it says, I know the thoughts that I have think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And we stop right there. That's, that's a beautiful verse. That God has good thoughts towards us. But do y'all see, criter- see the criteria in verse 12? Look at verse 12. It says, Then you will call upon my name and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And when you seek me and find me, when you search for me with all of your heart. And for the sake of time, I'll just, listen guys. What God, listen, God has a desire for each one of us. He doesn't want us to stay in these moments of failure, these moments of less. He's got plans for us to do great things. And part of us doing those great things is we have to search Him out and figure out who He is and where we belong in His work. So let's see in the last few moments tonight, Let's see how Jacob winds this game up. Look at Genesis chapter 28. See, guys, here's God's plan. God's plan is for Jacob to have a son named Judah and for Jesus to come out of the tribe of Judah. But God needed to get Jacob's attention for him to be truly used like he wanted to. Now, I don't know Jacob, but I know if Jacob's a lot like a lot of, like I was and like a lot of my buddies, he probably went to Bible school some. Everybody goes to Bible school. They have cheap cookies and orange juice or, or, or Kool-Aid, right? Kids today don't have a clue what Bible school is really about. They're eating pizza and caviar and sushi and all of that kind of stuff. They ought to have to go to Bible school with no air conditioning, eat those cheap cookies and drink watered-down Kool-Aid. Now, I can get an amen on that, right? They'd learn something if they'd do that. Listen, I don't know about Jacob going to Bible school, but here's what I know. In chapter 28 and verse 16, he finally starts to, he finally begins to to meet with God, to understand who God is. And this is is the beginning of a a relationship that that moves forward. Look Look at verse 16 real quick. Then Jacob woke from his sleep. Surely the Lord is in this place. He recognizes it. Listen, when when God's around, you know it, right? I do. Listen, it's amazing. Listen, before I ever commit that sin, He's already warned me not to. Isn't that the way it works? Once I say that, that I wasn't supposed to say or act that or think that, that I wasn't supposed to think, He's there, Holy Spirit's there to convict me of that as well. So let's let's finish this up. Jacob woke up, surely the Lord's in this place, and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. Guys, he's getting a dose of Jesus right here. 
He doesn't know it. It's pre-Jesus, I know, on the, on the New Testament church. But he's getting a dose of what you and I get to know because we live in the church age. He's getting a dose all over him right here. How awesome is this place? Shouldn't you and I, when we come into the presence of God, should we not have that attitude? Man, how awesome is this place? Has nothing to do with the air conditioning. How awesome is this place? Why? Because I know that where you and I are gathered together, He is there. I know that He wants and desires for you and I to gather together as brothers and sisters, Hebrews 10 and 25. I know He wants us together worshiping and singing and glorifying Him. Keep going. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Verse 18, then Jacob rose early in the morning took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on the top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. So I want you to remember that when you leave here tonight, that he began to get serious at a place called Bethel. But it didn't stop or finish there. He went deeper with God. Flip over, and I'm going to wind this thing, land this, this airplane. Chapter 32. Chapter 32, verse 22, and you guys know this. And he arose that night, and he took his two wives and his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Who was the man? It was God, right? I like to hear that. That's who it was. He was in a wrestling match with sovereign God right here. Listen, I love this story. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, and here's Jacob speaking here, I will not unless you bless me. He said to him, what's your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. See, this right here is when he's preparing Jacob's heart to be used for something bigger than Jacob had planned to be used for. You and I, a lot of times, want God to use us, but we don't want God to use us big because when God uses us big, it can be inconvenient. And it can make you have to use your time for Him instead of how you want to use it. And right here, God says, you're going to be called Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. I love 29 because this is you and I. Then Jacob asked, telling him, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. Did God ever say, here's my name? God, God, guys, God's going to do what God wants to do. He's sovereign God. But right here, Jacob began to have an intimate relationship with God. Would you call that a defining moment? Mine was on a Sunday night in the second grade after Sunday night Bible study, and I knew that there was something missing in my heart. I was the kid that always liked to go out to dinner on Sunday nights. We went to the Western Sizzler. Do y'all remember it? We had money. 
I got that steak on a stick for $4.99. Chew it 20 times, you may get it down. And on this particular night, Daddy said, we're going to Sizzling. I said, Papa, I don't want to go. He said, what is wrong with you? You feel good. Listen, I felt fine. I just knew on that night, God was dealing with me. And I had to deal back with him. Jacob could have stayed in the defeat of his early life. But he didn't. He allowed God to continue to use him even when all of those around were negative, possibly. Even when all of those around were saying things about him, he did not allow himself to stay there like the devil wanted him to do. I don't know where everybody's story is at this moment. But I believe in all my heart, you and I have church members, brothers and sisters, that sit paralyzed because of past moments in their life that they deem bigger and greater than what God can do in the future. And that's just not the story that God has written for our lives. Life didn't go smoothly for Jacob the whole time. He did reconcile with his brother Esau for a little bit, right? Y'all remember that, you remember Jacob and, and Rachel had a boy named Joseph? There's some tragedy in that story. Finished up in triumph, remember? He saved them all. So there were good moments and bad moments. See, in my walk with Christ, I have good moments and bad moments. I have good days and bad days. But I know that according to Scripture, Deuteronomy, He'll never leave me or forsake me. He's by my side. In my mind's eye, Pastor Jordan, and I see things a little different than a lot of people, but I picture Jacob as an old man. Maybe he's already moved to Egypt at this time, but he's watching Fox News because we know that's what we all do when you hit a certain age. And he's watching Fox News and he's becoming mad at the world and he's got a Trump hat on. <laughs> Have I just described about 80% of Alabama? <laughs> or maybe, or maybe, or maybe he's at the Cracker Barrel where all the Christians go on Sunday to eat lunch. But he gets up out of his chair and he's walking to the kitchen while he's walking, watching TV and he's walking to the kitchen and he's limping. And somebody walks in the house about that time, or maybe he gets out of the chair. You know those chairs out front at the Cracker Barrel where you play checkers, the big checkers? Maybe he gets out of that chair, and he starts walking inside to see all the gifts that are so nicely displayed in there. And he's walking inside, and he's limping. And somebody stops him, and they say, Buddy, what's wrong with your hip? And he looks at him and he says, boy, do I have a story for you. Or maybe he's walking to a ball game, an Auburn game or an Alabama game or a UAB game and he can't keep up with the crowd and somebody grabs his arm and kind of in a smart aleck way they say, Pops, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with the limp? And he says, boy, do I have a story for you. Let me tell you what the limp's all about. That's when I got serious. Defining moments, we all have them. 
Now we can let it be a dehabilitating hip limp or we can let it remind us of how God got a hold of us and did something in our hearts. Amen? Does that make sense? And I think Jacob was a perfect example of a guy that could have laid down and quit, but he didn't because God had a bigger plan. Jesus was coming out of that plan. I don't know what's coming out of my plan or your plan, but here's what I know. If we're available and willing, he'll use us. And that's all he asks us to do. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for giving us just a few moments tonight to look at your word. God, I hope it's your word that was heard, not me. Father, I pray tonight that we'll use the gifts and the talents that you've given us. And Lord, we will not allow that clever devil to keep us where we were, but we will allow you to move us to where we need to be. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We thank you again for joining us this week at Central, and may the Lord Jesus Christ be magnified in your life today. Thank you.